0: Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Middle east Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. With war and peace hanging in the balance, tensions in the Gulf are running hot and cold. Saudi and Iranian leaders are this week walking back from the brink, signaling that they want to avoid outright military confrontation and manage Rather than resolve differences. In fact, there is every reason to believe that neither Riyadh nor Tehran has a vested interest in a definitive solution of the Middle East and North Africa's multiple problems. The trick for men like Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and Iranian President Hassan Rouhani is to find a controllable way of maintaining their potentially existential bitter rivalry without fighting what could be a devastating regional war. To do so, both men appear to be making the right noises against the backdrop of an evolving U.S. policy that is forcing Saudi Arabia to rethink its almost decade-long, often reckless and assertive, go-it-alone foreign and defense policy, and Iran to seek ways to level the playing field. The anti-Iran alliance is not just faltering, it's crumbling. Bolton is gone. Bibi is going. MBZ has struck his deal with Iran. MBS is not far behind, tweeted Council on Foreign Relations distinguished fellow and former U.S. Middle East negotiator Martin Indyk. Mr. Indyk was referring to former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton and embattled Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, while identifying United Arab Emirates Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed, and his Saudi counterpart and namesake, Prince Mohammed, by their initials. Signaling a change in tone, Saudi Arabia has gone quiet on its investigation into responsibility for last month's attacks on key Saudi oil facilities, after earlier stopping just short of blaming Iran. Prince Mohammed has, meanwhile, welcomed potential face-to-face talks between U.S. President Donald Trump and Mr. Rouhani, saying, absolutely, that is what we all ask for. Prince Mohammed's remarks were tempered by Saudi Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Adel al-Zubair, who spelled out the kingdom's demands. Without clarifying, whether these were a precondition for talks or issues to be discussed, Mr. Al-Jubeir's demands included ending Iran's involvement in the affairs of other countries, stopping support for terrorist organizations, abandoning the policy of destruction and sowing conflict, and freezing the plan to develop nuclear weapons and the ballistic missile program. In response, Iran insisted that Saudi Arabia freeze its multi-billion dollar arms purchases from the United States, stop its intervention in Yemen, and end discrimination against the Shiite Muslim majority minority in Saudi Arabia. The chances of the two countries accepting the other's conditions are virtually nil. Nonetheless, Mr. Rouhani, with France, Iraq, and Pakistan seeking to mediate has kept the door open for talks with the United States, which withdrew last year from the 2015 international agreement that curbs the Islamic Republic's nuclear program, and has since imposed harsh economic sanctions on Iran. Addressing the Iranian cabinet this week, Mr. Rouhani termed a four-point plan put forward by French President Emmanuel Macron acceptable. The plan calls for the United States to lift sanctions on Iran and allow it to freely export its oil and collect revenue in return for an Iranian commitment not to pursue nuclear weapons and help ensure Gulf security. Mr. Macron's proposal includes a $15 billion credit line that would enable Iran to export oil and would also restore the P5 plus 1 framework of signatories of the nuclear accord, France, Britain, Russia, China, Germany, and the U.S. Like with Mr. Al-Joubert's demands, the question is what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Mr. Trump sees lifting of sanctions as the outcome of talks, while Mr. Rouhani has insisted that sanctions be removed prior to negotiations. To step up pressure, Iran has been gradually breaching the terms of the accord and increasing tensions that bring the region closer to the brink of war, in a bid to position negotiations as the only alternative. Iranian oil minister Bijan Zagane put the changing mood on public display at a Russian energy conference chaired by President Vladimir Putin when he described his Saudi counterpart, Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman, a son of King Salman, the Saudi monarch, as a friend. Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman has been a friend for over 22 years, Mr. Zaganeh said. The two men were later seen holding hands together with Organization of, of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, Secretary General Mohammed Barkindo, and speaking on the sidelines of the conference, in the first such encounter since the attack on the oil facilities. The new mood could, over time, against the backdrop of mounting Gulf doubts about the reliability of the United States' regional defense umbrella, make a Chinese-backed Russian proposal for a multilateral security architecture more attractive. The Russian proposal is built on the notion that security in the Gulf would be better served by an architecture that downplays regional rivalries, rather than accentuating them as part of the US umbrella that is rooted in the Saudi-Iranian divide and designed to protect the conservative Arab monarchies against the Islamic Republic. The Russian approach theoretically could accommodate the survival strategies of both the Iranian regime and the Saudi ruling family. Upholding Iran's revolutionary facade requires the existence of an imperialist foreign threat that also gives a lease on life to the vested economic interests of hardliners grouped around the country's Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps. Saudi Arabia, figuring that it needs at least six years to develop its natural gas potential to the degree that it can compete with Iran, home to the world's second largest reserves, may want to see an Iranian regime that is weakened and possibly destabilized, but not on the verge of collapse. Said Saudi foreign policy scholar Yasmin Farouk, time is of the essence. This moment in the Middle East international politics offers incentives and deterrents that Saudi Arabia can leverage in its negotiations with Iran. The longer the kingdom waits, the less influence it will have on the final outcome of its conflict with Iran, and on any future multilateral framework for security in the Gulf. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.